and it is Jesus who makes today glorious. And thank you for joining us on this morning's broadcast. Today, our Christmas sermon segment from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 continues. Pastor Elliot preaches that because the Lord Jesus Christ is both the inheritor of all things and the creator of all things, he is God's best possible Christmas gift to us. And now, with his message for today, Pastor Elliot. If you go to the attorney to probate a will, and you thought a certain person was named in this will to be the beneficiary of the estate, and the lawyer turns to you quite unexpectedly in his office and says, yeah, you too, you're a co-heir of this estate. The estate is going to be split between two people. Jesus and all that he's entitled to, graciously he's going to share with each and every redeemed child of God. We're joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs with Christ. What grace that Jesus Christ who made it all, who owns it all, who has it all due to him, graciously says, you're my joint heir. You're my joint heir. 1 Corinthians 3, 21 to 23 speaks of this. So then let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you. He's writing to Corinthian Christians in ancient Corinth. Do you remember how messed up they were? They were taking each other to court. They were sleeping with their stepmother. They were drunk at this table. They had factions, divisions. They were a messed up group of believers. And yet, because of God's grace, because of God's faithfulness to his covenants, because of God's amazing mercy, he had his apostle Paul write to those people. So then... Let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all things belong to you. That's what you can say to a joint heir with Christ. All things belong to you and you belong to Christ. And Christ belongs to you. Now, because that theology is true, we should never coddle sin in our lives like the Corinthians did. We should want to walk worthy of our calling, holy in the power of the Holy Spirit, separated from this world system that cheerfully leaves Jesus Christ completely out. We should never abuse God's grace to sin. We're joint heirs with Christ. What a salvation. What a savior. And so Christ is the very best gift that heaven could give to earth because Christ is the inheritor of all things. Things natural, things spiritual, and things shared. Secondly in your outlines, Christ is the very best gift that heaven could have offered earth because secondly, Christ is the creator of all things. Not only is Christ the inheritor of all things, Christ is the creator of all things. Back to Hebrews, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1. 
God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Christ is the creator of all things. Now, does it not make sense, and is it not logical, that to make the universe, Christ has to have immense, in fact, unlimited power? Christ must necessarily have vast, unlimited, perfect, creative power. There's a physicist at Cambridge University named Stephen Hawking, who has been called the most brilliant theoretical physicist since Einstein. This is what Hawking says in his best-selling book, A Brief History of Time. He says that our galaxy is an average-sized spiral galaxy that looks to other galaxies like a swirl in a pastry roll and that it is over 100,000 light years across, about 600 trillion miles across. Stephen Hawking says that we now know that our galaxy is only one of some 100,000 million galaxies that can be seen using modern telescopes. And each galaxy itself containing some 100,000 million Stars. It is commonly held that the average distance between these 100,000 million galaxies, each of which being 600 million trillion miles wide and containing 100,000 million stars, it is commonly held that the average distance between these 100,000 trillion mile galaxies, each 600 trillion million miles across and containing 100,000 million stars is 3 million light years. On top of that, the work of Edwin Hubble based on the Doppler effect has shown that all red spectrum galaxies are moving away from us and that nearly all the galaxies are red. Thus, the universe is constantly expanding. That argues against evolution, by the way. It argues for the second law of thermodynamics. Some estimates say that the most distant galaxy is 8 billion light years away and racing away from us at 200 million miles an hour. Finally, The fact of the expanding universe, this is what Hawking said, finally, the expanding universe demands a beginning. Demands a beginning. And Hawking is no longer prepared to say that that beginning was a random big bang. We know it wasn't a random big bang. Jesus, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, the triune God, spoke it into existence. Christ is the best gift that heaven could offer earth because Christ is the creator of all things. 
John 1, 3 sums it up. Through him, Christ, all things were made. Without him, Christ, nothing was made that has been made. 1 Corinthians 8, 6, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas. Today we will continue on our Christmas theme as we consider in the month of December as we remember the Lord's birth. And we need to understand that the Christmas story is different than what we would consider today. As we consider the, the stories of the day, we notice that, you know, movie stars and actors, they are the ones that we look up to and, you know, they are the ones who, you know, they come around each other and it's very hard to see actors and, and athletes that we really want to see. But today we want to look at some people in the, in the Christmas story, the shepherds. As we consider the shepherds, these were not who you would consider to be the people that would see the king of kings. These are not the people who would, you would consider to be the ones who the angel appears to, to tell him about the birth of Jesus Christ. But we see in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and it says that in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping a watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, that you will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is a Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Verse 15, And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. I want to stop there because I want us to first of all look at this first point. The shepherds did not hesitate to act upon God's word. You see, here it is, the angels have come and delivered this message about Jesus being born. And I want to make it very clear, because I think sometimes in our Christmas stories and we, and we read different things that, you know, we have this whole glory of God in the highest, but we want to make it very clear. Verse 13 says, And the multitude of angels were saying, not singing, but saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. But we see very clearly here that as soon as the message is brought, in verse 16 it says, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. You see, I think this is for us. We need to understand that when God calls us to obedience, we have the choice to whether to obey or disobey. But when we trust in who God is, we can go quickly and obey him because we know that this is what God's will is. And we know that with, with that, there's no uncertainty. When it's God's message, there's no uncertainty because here it is. The angels are clearly saying and let's not forget, the shepherds were afraid. I want you to imagine for a second, you're in a field, the light, or just be honest, we're anywhere and the lights have gone out. It's dark. And all of a sudden, bam, you have this big light that is bright in the sky and the angel is talking to you. And let's be honest, shepherds were not the people who we would expect. Because let's be honest, as we consider that, 
The shepherds were in a field, probably sweaty, around animals. You know, they are not who we would expect to be the first to see the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. But here it is, the shepherds did not even question to say, oh, we're not worthy, oh, we can't do this. No, they went quickly. They went as fast as they could because they recognized that this was not just any baby, but this was Jesus. Second of all, we want to look at verses 17 and 19. It says this, And when they saw it, they made known, saying, that it had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. You see, the next point is this. The shepherds were witnesses to God's fulfilled promise. They, rec- they recognized and they saw, the, they saw the child, but let's be honest, they did not just keep it to themselves. They saw the baby. They saw that this was the Savior. And they said, you know what? Let us tell people about it. Let's tell people about this, this God. You see, the shepherds told everyone there what God had told them about the child. Being the first witnesses to identify the baby as the promised Messiah, the shepherds who were lowly and poor and possibly mistrusted were now entrusted with the truth of the Savior to tell others. You see, I think that as we consider this in our own lives, for us who call ourselves believers, we have this truth. We know the truth. We have seen the truth. And I think that as we consider the truth that, that God has entrusted us through his word, we need to recognize that we need to tell others about this truth. Again, as we consider the Christmas story, you know, we need to make it very clear that as we consider the Christmas story, that we don't just leave it there. You know, I think too many times in life and I think too many times as we consider the Christmas story is prettied up for us. As we have these different mangers in our houses and, you know, people having their lawn and it looks so clean and everything looks so great. But let's be honest, there's not going to be that clean as we have portrayed. This was a dirty, this was mess, but Christ came into the world to make it clean. Christ came into this world to, to, to die for our sin and to, to give us a relationship. And let's be honest, as the shepherds, they could not contain what they had heard. And I think for us this morning, again, as we consider ourselves as born-again believers, we need to recognize that when something like that, when we hear good news, we want to tell others about it. But I want to ask you a question. Why can we tell others about our favorite basketball star, our favorite game, or whatever it may be, but we can't tell people about the King of Kings, the God who came to this, who, came, who sent his son into this earth to have a relationship with us, to be the Savior of the world? You see, the shepherds were ready to tell the message. They could not contain themselves. They could not hold us in, but they were willing to, ready to tell the world. And thirdly, we want to consider this. The shepherds worship God for his faithfulness on display as we consider verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and had been told them. You see, the only response as we consider and we see God and we see God for who he is and as the shepherds saw Jesus in the manger is this. They had to worship. Worship. You know, as we consider Christmas and, and we consider the many Christmas carols that we like and we, we sing, there's a hymn that, that we all sing during Christmas time, but it's not really considered the Christmas song, even though we sing it at Christmas, is Go Tell It on the Mountain. 
because we we love the song because of the lyrics and upbeat tune, but we need to understand what it's all about as we consider that song as, as it commands us to do what the shepherds did, that we testify that Messiah was born. You see, we need to understand that as the shepherds worship God and, and, and as we consider as God does something in our lives, the only thing that our response to be is worship. You see, when the shepherds went away, they did not try to draw any attention to themselves and say, look at us, look at us. No, no, they point everything towards God, praising God. You see, the shepherds did not draw attention to themselves when they arrived at the manger, nor did they pat each other on the back for the way God chose them to be a part of the story. Rather, they praised God because he was the one who deserved all praise for everything that had happened. And you see, in our lives, we cannot forget this truth that Everything in our lives is for a reason and that God deserves all of our praise. Our response then reveals our hearts and as we recognize that He is the King, He is sovereign in our lives. You know, I want to challenge you as, as you consider this truth and you consider the truth of the shepherds as the shepherds were lowly shepherds in a field one night. But God transformed that as He, as he came to this earth and He sent His Son I want you to ask you this question. What are you doing with the truth that you know? Are you telling people about Christ? Are you going into all, wherever God has you and telling people about Christ? What is your response? Are you truly worshiping him? Because that is the only response that is that we can have is worship. When we consider for ourselves who call ourselves believers when we consider what God has done for us. Our only response could be worship. Sit back, listen up for a short Christmas devotional we'd like to share with you. A blessed Christmas to you listeners. I have a Christmas devotional for you this morning. Dr. John Grasmick, Professor of New Testament Studies and Vice President for Academic Affairs and Academic Dean of Dallas Theological Seminary has written the devotional. It's titled, Mary's Response, My Response? But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Luke 2, verse 19. What is your response to Christmas? A list of presents to buy, festive menus to prepare, church concerts to give or attend, decorations to put up, an opportunity to go home or maybe a bit of humbug. The celebration of Jesus' birth brings a variety of responses. Luke 2 verses 15 to 20 present three responses to Jesus' birth. The shepherds who heard the angel's announcement of his birth, verses 10 through 12, went hastily to Bethlehem to see the infant, verses 15 to 16. When they saw him, they told others, that's verse 17, and returned to their flocks, glorifying and praising God, according to verse 20. Those who heard the words of the shepherds wondered, that's verse 18, at the surprising event. The report attracted their attention, but probably missed their hearts. In contrast, verse 18, Mary had a deeper response, verse 19. She was treasuring, storing for careful consideration these things in her heart and meditating on them to discern their significance. What was the treasure she was pondering? 
Among the amazing things that had taken place in her life, see Luke 1, 26 to 31, she knew that her firstborn son, Jesus, was the Davidic Messiah, the Son of God, verses 32 to 35. The Savior, who is Christ the Lord, chapter 2, verse 11. Savior points to his role as redemptive deliverer. Messiah or Christ points to his office as God's anointed one, and Lord indicates his sovereignty and authority. Mary recognized the divine nature and calling of her child and thoughtfully contemplated what it meant. Chapter 2, verse 19, and then verse 51b. She represents a proper response to Jesus' birth, and Luke wants his readers to identify with her. Our Christmas celebrations should include thoughtful reflection on the birth of our Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will help us cut through the glitz of the season, which has become increasingly secular and commercialized, and be captured afresh by the momentous significance of the one whose birth we celebrate. Recently, we had the opportunity to sit and talk with uh, Gwen Hepburn. She's been sharing her personal God story and the results of infidelity in her marriage and how God has brought her from there to here. We resume from where we left off last week. You've also used the expression, Sister Gwen, that uh, you feel you've been handed the baton. What do you mean by that? When you have, um, again, speaking from a wife perspective, when your husband is cheating on you, they are not there like they should be, Mm -hmm. physically or mentally. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we, we would lose focus. And I'm, I'm going to take you to Joshua because that's my favorite. <laughs> Good. <laughs> that's my favorite um, during my challenges. Because it's, I don't know, if you remember when Joshua was told to take the Israelites to the promised land? Yes. At that particular time, I don't think he knew that the Moses was dead. Mm-hmm. And as far as he was concerned, Moses was supposed to do that. But Moses was dead. Mm-hmm. And God said to him, Joshua, in other words, what are you doing? I told you to take them across. And Joshua was looking for Moses. And God said, no, Moses is dead. I will take care of him. Mm-hmm. Now you take the Israelites across. You take the children across. And he came to me and studying the scriptures and he said, God said, be strong. Well, I envisioned Joshua still being timid and afraid Mm -hmm. to take them over because he was always, he was the Moses taking the lead. And God saw this and he said to him, he said, be very strong. (laughs) And all while I'm reading this, and studying this because I did not just read this. I studied it and I wrote it and I asked God, what do you mean? So God had to come back a third time, if you recall. 
He said, Joshua, did I not command you to be very strong and be courageous? Yes. And in all of this, it's like I could have almost, I could hear him saying, be strong, you know, in a more of a gentle voice. <sighs> then he came back and said, be very strong. <laughs> and then in a loud voice, it was like, did I not command you <laughs> to do this? You know, so that was me. Because what happened is I was focusing on looking back. And I want to tell some of our listeners, in looking back, you cannot fix that. You cannot fix it on your own. That's right. But you must forgive. You must pray. And when you pray and you give it to God, you have to know, especially if you have small children, your focus must be on them because you've already given it to God and know that you have been given the baton. You have to take those children into the promised land. Mm. It, it's not your job, but you have been given the baton, not by choice. By circumstance. But by circumstances. Mm -hmm. Because he is not there anymore. Like Moses was dead, your spouse, your Moses, he's dead right now. Mm -hmm. But God is the restorer of all things. He certainly is. God, you continue to pray for him and believe the word of God. God will fix it. But you have to leave it because you have to focus on the children. Because if you don't, one of them can go astray. Mm -hmm. One can go astray, if not more than one. You would find one of them would probably need more help than the others. Yes. And if you're not there, focus to help them because they're hurting as well. Sure. They're hurting. So therefore, you have to remain focused to help your children and that's, leave everything else in God's hand. That's a noble cause to have the baton in your hand and to seek to nurture those children and to show them the ways of God and his word and to love them, give them security that they don't yes, feel they have. That's a God-sized job. And I love what you said in conjunction with realizing you've been, you were past the baton is that you had to give all of your heartbreaks and all of your concerns to the Lord in prayer and let him deal with those things. That's a, that's a beautiful um, combination of um, human responsibility and God's sovereignty. The human responsibility of what you just said, it was to pick up the baton and care for the children. But God's sovereignty piece of what you said is that he is Lord, he is Lord. He has risen from the dead and he is Lord. And every knee shall bow to and confess that Jesus Christ is yes. Lord. He's the boss that none of us can change anybody else. But when we talk to our Heavenly Father, He can change anybody. Yes. And that's what uh, you've seen happen in your own yes. marriage, which is a beautiful thing. That's all the time we had for today. We'll pick up from here next week in the will of the Lord. 
You've been listening to the Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 and 11 a.m. this morning in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. Feel free to join us at these times. You can also write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.